Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. Hey everybody, this is Maddie Kay with the Working Experience Podcast. This is the second episode that I did with my friend Magisha, actor, writer, director, uh, all-around great guy, and he has a lot of wonderful things to say about hard work, creativity, and pursuing your dreams. So give it a listen. He has a lot of great things to teach you. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. Don't need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that he was sound? His Sexual harassment. Hey, everybody, this is Maddie Kay with the Working Experience Podcast. I am here for um, what I guess I'll call part two of my podcast with Magisha. Yay, yay. Um, just to give a little backdrop again, a little context, I met Magisha about a year ago. We worked on a short film called HR. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, Magisha worked as assistant director, 
script yep. supervisor, and you knew Kathy Ann Hart. Yep. That's how I. Do, how'd you know Kathy? I I worked with her in a, a web series called Calmer. Okay. And uh, she I played a lawyer that um, he had a winning record because he only took cases he could win. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny when you mention that now because Kathy Ann. Uh, She's a Harvard lawyer. Yes, yes, she is. And very much like you, she had kind of her, uh, just to recap a little bit, um, you left John Hancock over some BS about a verbal reprimand lunch. I mean, I can't believe, uh, I'm sorry, I digress. Somebody would say to a grown man, you've taken too long for lunch, while you're on crutches, nonetheless. And um, I won't tell. And, and then you had another job for 10 yeah. years yeah. and, and had your yeah, point where it was like, this is enough, this is I it. can't do this. And she, I won't tell her story here, but she had a similar yeah. thing with, with working and like, I can't do this. She described reading thousands of emails every day about contracts, mergers, yeah. acquisitions. And again, I don't know anything about those, but it, it makes me start to have a low-grade panic attack. Mm-hmm. Just listening <laughs> to that <laughs> every day going in for that. So, um, and I, I, I taught for a while yep. in the Bronx. Then I decided to, to go and be a grip for five years. And then I went back to teaching and then I moved back up here and decided to try to make films again. So, uh, you know, going on, like I, I like everybody else, I've seen mm-hmm. movies. Yep, seen yep. Mostly two-hour movies in the theater. That was my... I had no exposure to, like, independent movies. Yeah, not really. Short films. Did, did we didn't really have the, the ability to, to see them how it no. is now with all these streaming platforms. I mean, I'm 45, so, I mean, there was no digital. It was all film, which is yeah. horrendously expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the VHS, you know. Oh, VHS. <laughs> the first one was Clerks. Okay. That was the first, and that to me looked weird. Because <laughs> I was like, I was used to Star Wars. Yeah. Jaws, you know, whatever, cop films. And, and I'm looking at this, I think I was in senior in high school. And when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know, I don't get this. Like, this looks totally unprofessional. And, look, and I mean... Kevin Smith basically lived the dream. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he maxed out five credit cards. The story I heard about that was they didn't have enough movie to uh, enough money to finish, and a tree Classic. fell on his car. <laughs> and he got the, the insurance. Yeah, he got the insurance payment, and that's what he used to pay for the rest of the film to edit the film. Yeah. So um, I didn't know anything about how you know I didn't know what a script supervisor was. I didn't know what grips were. I like none of it. None of it. Maybe I've heard of wardrobe. So going on a film set the first time, like a big professional one, it's like, oh, like it's 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 sometimes overwhelming depending on the set. Like it's, it is there's, there's just a sheer number of people that aren't actors. That actors are, make up a pretty what would you say twenty percent? Yeah, if if that if in that, the scene. Yeah, like it's there's so much crew. Uh, there's so many different departments. There's so many people that are looking at every single little bit. I think that's what I didn't know until I got there, how much of what you see on TV is planned, down to the smallest detail, to the color of a pen, like to, to the color of your socks. We, I'm like, you're not even seeing my feet. Like, what does it matter? It's like, no, 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 don't like those socks. Put these socks on. I'm like, again, but you're not seeing my feet. It's right. Like, but it doesn't matter. Like every little bit is thought out and planned out, 
And so when we see these images, because that's the power of these moving pictures. I mean, they're, they're really pictures, they're stills that have been compressed together to give the illusion of motion. Um, it's like, and, and people, to explain it to people that aren't familiar, there used to be this old thing you'd see sometimes where people would do it with a stick figure on a page, and then the next page they'd move it a little bit and make them do mm-hmm. one thing. And flip as, up, yep, and you would flip yeah, it. Yeah. That is it, at its essence, at its rawest film yep. and the filmmaking process. And uh, so when you when they're putting together these things, like, and people are very particular about their stuff. So the people that give the wardrobe, they want your wardrobe one way. The people that do hair and makeup, they want to do your hair and makeup one way. And sometimes they are conflicting with the director because the director has a vision. And then sometimes the whoever is the managing partner, whoever the one that's overseeing it, like I did um, a movie, I can't say the people, the movie, but it was with Sony. And um, there was this one scene that I they put me up. I, as I went out, I walked past this lady. She stopped me, and I didn't know she was the Sony rep at the time. She asked me, why am I wearing this? And I was like, well, this is the wardrobe they gave me. She called the um, first um, AD over, first assistant director. She told him, he told me, they sent me back to wardrobe because of the color. That color, they didn't want that color in the movie. Like, that, I mean, to that finite. Just that color. Just that color. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. That color. And actually, when the movie came out, I was, I was still holding on to that. And I wanted to look and see. And sure enough, that color didn't appear in the film. Wow. Like, so, so it's so, even little things like that, things that don't seem like that is even applicable, that, 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 like, that's what surprised me, the amount of detail, the amount of work that goes into every single, and especially sometimes a scene, people watch it maybe last 30 seconds. It took us a week to film it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, that, that blew my mind. Yes. All the time. And that camera rolls for a minute. <laughs> Done. Cut. Maybe do it two, three times. Mm-hmm. And then it's hours. Moving lights. Changing wardrobe. I remember being on set and being like, what are we supposed to be doing right now? And you're just sitting on the truck. Perfect weight. And then they'll be like, all right, grips. We come in. We do our thing. And we're out. And that's it. <laughs> I'm kind of like, film sets are, are some of the most boring places you yes. can be. If you don't really know what's going on. Yes. Because it's just like, this is taking hours. This is taking hours and hours to get this one shot that, as you say, maybe 30 seconds. But as you also said, they all have to fit together. Yes. Into some... You know, I remember when you were talking about the color of the socks, I was watching the director's commentary for Out of Sight. Okay. Soderbergh and all that. And he and the writer were talking about the scene in the beginning where they all escape from the jail. Mm-hmm. Louise Guzman, George Clooney, and all that. And Steven Soderbergh saying, I wish I, I had more background guys back here. It's kind of empty here. And they're kind of, you know, his writer's like, oh, what's the difference? And he's like, nobody notices that. And he goes, I notice. And with the socks, like in Goodfellas, there's a, a behind the scene. I've, I don't know how many times I've watched the making of Goodfellas. He doesn't have... Uh, the young Henry yes. comes home in his gangster outfit. Mm-hmm. And his mother looks at him. He looks like a gangster. He doesn't have stays 
in his collar, ah. which they would have had in the 19, late 1950s. And that big one stays. And he's like, no stays. He's like, wait, he looks at the wardrobe, he's like, no stays? Like, how long is that shot? Ten seconds? And who really button up? Who would ever know? He knows. Yep. And it, you know, you can argue about, like, why does it matter? Well, look at the whole film. What do you mean, why does it matter? Well, and, and, I, and I think that's the one thing that a lot of times, when we talked about earlier in the other um, cast, about how something can cause this response and it can make these emotions come up, is because when you're watching it, even though you know it's fake, if they do it well, you're so engrossed. Oh, it's like a documentary. Yeah, and you're, it's like they, you're transported into it. Totally. So they don't want any little thing that breaks the illusion, that breaks the magic. And, or you can nitpick and be like, oh, that's not how it was like back then. Um, there's a, a, a show that's out, uh, City on the Hill, um, you know, it is, that was shot in Boston, the teaser. And then it got picked up, and now it's being filmed in New York. Mm. And, um, and then they just came back to shoot a couple more scenes here. And, that is, and the reason being is because, what, they need to get some, some of the outside shots of Boston for the authenticity to keep the illusion that is all filmed here. Right. They're doing the insides inside of studios, you know, in, in New York. And but all these exterior shots, they kind of now coming back to shoot them. So, in the post, that's when they like, and that's when the real magic really happens in the edit. I was um, watching a, a master's class, and uh, and it was with Steven Spielberg. And he was talking about the power of the edit, the power of the edit, and how important it is. Um, for the editor and the director to be have a similar vision for what this project is because you can make something great and it can be destroyed in the edit and you can make something okay and it can be in dramatically increased by the power of the edit, the placement of the scenes, um, the, 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 the way the transitions the, the sound and like that was something we talked about after HR was gone sound sound is something that people don't realize how important it is when no. you watch a piece no. because it's you all can, subconscious it's all subconscious but when it's off no you know it's it's almost impossible to watch yeah. like you can watch something that's dimly lit the lighting can be okay but if the sound is really good and the acting's okay you'll watch it but if you're watching something that looks pristine, shot on Alexa Red, uh, hundred thousand yeah. but the sound is jacked up, you can't. No. It's, you, you you get angry. Yeah. You get first. You, you start squinting your eyes. Like you, like yeah. squinting your eyes is gonna make your hearing better. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just right, and you don't even oftentimes know why. It's yeah. just something wrong, or the 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 underlying sound is off, or. I know that was a real one of the first film books I ever read was the conversations between Walter Murch and Michael Odenjanta. He wrote The English Patient. Walter Murch uh, is an editor, but he started as a sound editor. Ah. So he also wrote In the Blink of an Eye, which is a very slim volume that I think many actors should read because it's all about like how you edit. It's about editing and acting. Okay, very really fascinating. He's a fascinating guy. And he talks about sound edit, and I was just so intrigued by it that anytime I wanted to make something, the problem is sound is, and again, this is just a practical matter, sound is very expensive, mm -hmm. getting good sound. But I would tell any independent filmmaker, if you are going to look for where you have to spend your money, 
you can explain away dim lighting. You can say it's a creative choice. Mm-hmm. You can talk about well, whatever. <laughs> you can get away with a lot yes. of things. Sound is not the, especially the sound on set. Either yes. you can hear that line or you, you can't. can't. And if you can't, you're in trouble. Yes. And then your music. And it's interesting with Steven Spielberg because I, I, from what I understand, what I've read, Jaws had to be saved in the editing room. Mm-hmm. Like it just looked ridiculous. Like the mechanical sharks yeah. looked awful. They kept yeah. sinking. And it, the editor came up, well, just, it's so much scarier if you don't see the shark. If you don't see the shark. And he spoke about he spoke about that the um, when it comes to filmmaking one of the things that also he spoke about and and I I took it to heart as an indie director of violence versus the illusion of violence. Mm-hmm. He's like he's like if I have some actors that aren't let's say I have some actors that aren't stunt guys and I have a scene that I need them to fight. Now I could spend weeks and weeks with some stunt guys, and they still may not get that action as crisp as I would like it. Because real fighting, think about how long it takes to be a professional boxer, be a professional um, Muay Thai, professional um, karate expert, uh, Tai Chi. These people train for years. So to think that in a couple of weeks or months, I'm going to be able to get someone to be a master level without having the big budget to bring the top-notch trainers in, is it realistic? Yeah. Workaround is have the violence ha- happen off-camera. Yeah. Let us hear it. Yeah. And then see the aftermath of it. Yeah. The person come out bloody, bumped, beat up. It works. You get the same effect. Yeah. But without having to waste the time and training. So, and I think those are those these things that that you, 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 you learn from being on the set and you learn from being in the business and you you also too as as an actor you challenge like I love roles of being the bad guy like I always get father roles I get good guy roles policeman roles FBI but I love a role as a bad guy because when you play a hero character there's a certain outline we find heroes in Bad guys, there's no script. They can be one to a thousand. There's, and then in between. And they can bounce between the two parallels. So when you play a bad character, you really, it's such wide open. And when you see people, like when you see actors that really, really give it all, you know. Like when you watch Heath Leather as the Joker, that movie wasn't Batman. That movie was the Joker yeah. with Batman. Right. Like if anyone that watched the movie, that was not the it was he was by far the top character and it was a huge divide from anyone else. When you see him on the screen, he he just popped. Yeah. Even when he didn't say nothing, because he immersed himself so far into that character that he gave the character so many levels and layers. And I saw an interview with the hair and makeup, and they talked about doing the Joker face for him and how he was obsessed with having his Joker face, not the Joker face of past Jokers, but his Joker face. And and he didn't want it to look... Most Joker face, if you watch in the past, they always were very pristine. Mm-hmm. The makeup was always perfect. Yeah, And he was like, nah, that, this guy's not. This guy, 
doesn't have the ability to always put makeup on perfect. No. He's not a makeup artist. So as you watch the movie, there starts to become smears in his makeup. Like, and those little small details, you know, uh, really helps to see the character. Because as you view visually, you see the growth. You see what he's going through. And then you relate on some part, even though he's a psychopath and he's killing people, but he's clearly, he has some issues. I, I That makeup was inspired. It, it was inspired. It was I mean, like, great. Jack Nicholson's great, but it was like a cartoon. Yes. And when he describes what his father did to him, cutting his mm-hmm. face, I was, it's like, yeah, you're right. It's a whole, like, you know, Batman's kind of one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is like, woo. Like, that's just... <laughs> Because it's real. Yes. I mean, I'm not... I, that's probably happened to somebody somewhere. But everybody yes. knows your childhood can really screw you up. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, I just thought it was a very kind of humanizing yes. thing. He's much more human. Yeah, and I think a... uh, that appeals. That definitely appeals. But, yeah, it's funny on film sets when I, I went on my first big professional one as a PA. It was this show called Third Watch. Okay. It was this fireman cop show. Um that I knew some people on who said, yeah, we can get you on as a PA. I mean, for our audience, a PA, uh, production assistant, mm-hmm. you get paid, I think I got paid $75 a day, $100 yep. a day. And you pretty much, you know, you do lockups. We would have to stand in Chinatown or wherever and be like, all right, everybody stop. And it's a rough job. It is a rough, there was no overtime, yeah. nothing like that. I was crazy. Hours of crazy, <laughs> and sometimes you're just standing there for hours doing not a lot, which for me is hard because I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Like, mm-hmm. well, I should be doing something. But I noticed how there was a great article that came out that a friend of mine sent me on why movie crews are the best designed machines to work. Because everybody knows their job. Yes. You have grips, you have electrics, you have wardrobe, you have locations, you have sound, you have uh, hair and makeup, mm-hmm. you have everybody, it's like putting a car together. Yes. I'm not saying it's the most creative thing, like, no. you know, Third Watch is not the most creative thing. But it's like, you don't touch this, you don't. I remember I grabbed the director's chairs because mm-hmm. we were moving. Yep. I thought Company it was being, move. Yeah, I thought it was being helpful. Mm-hmm. Until I think it's the wardrobe people take care of those for whatever reason. Yeah. Ooh, I got an earful. Oh, they they, they give you the ride at because if I put that someplace and they don't know, no, yes, then it's a problem. Yes, and I thought, okay, I ain't t- like you don't touch anything unless somebody specifically tells you, and they never will because yes. it's their equipment. Like my inclination is to help out. I see somebody moving something, help them with yeah. it. No. Well, it's funny because, and you're right, it does work. Like, I'm, I'm working on a, a film right now, um, principal on, on a huge film. I've signed a non-disclosure, so I can't say the name of it. But let's just say um, it's, it's, it's a Disney movie. So, you know Disney has all the money. Yeah. And there was originally another company that Disney just acquired. And it's one of the few movies that they didn't ask when they acquired it. And uh, so I'm principal on that with a big A-list actor. And um, so we're doing a scene. And it starts raining. And I have all this makeup on, I have all this stuff on, whole costume and everything. So one of the um, PAs come running out with the umbrella. So she's standing over me. Um, now I feel like crap. 
because I'm seeing, and like, <laughs> I'm in the rain, she's standing at me, but she's getting soaked. Yeah. Like, like she's yeah, just, like, soaked. The hair is sticking to her face, and I'm there, and she's holding the umbrella. I was like, I go, nope, nope. And, like, literally, we're out there for about five hours filming. So every time you'll cut, she sprints out, holds it. And then after all the stuff to stop a little, I was like, no, you can, you can, uh, you can put it down. She's like, nope. Nah. What if, nope, I can't. So a couple other people, some other people in the crew was like, no, it's not ready. She was like, nope. She stood there. And literally, it got to the end of the day we finally wrapped. The director walked by, and he was like, good job today to her. She looked at me, and I, and I looked at her, and we, I both knew she was, I was like, yeah, good job. Like, because she knows, like, that's how that, this business is. Do your job. I don't care what anyone else is telling you no. to do. Do your job and do it to a, at a high level. No. Yeah. You know? No, and you're not doing her, and I, I would have the same inclination. I would not be doing her any favors. She needs to do her job. She needs to look good. Mm-hmm. And she needs to have that space to do that. And even if it was... George Clooney, you know, it's like, nope, got my job to do. And and I'm sure he would respect that. Mm-hmm. He's been around, you know, or anybody who's been around for a long time. But yeah, and it, and it seems to work. Like, everything is very, like, I thought it was one whole big thing yeah. before I ever was ever on a film set. But then my, my roommate for a long time, he was a grip, and okay. he would be like, no, nah, I don't really know hair and makeup. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know? Yeah, they don't know. No? Like, it's, it's like a, it's different two different worlds. worlds. Different worlds. I just do my job. I would have no occasion to go into hair. They wouldn't want me in there, and or wardrobe or anything like that. I mean, you know, after a while, you get to know you work on a show particularly, mm-hmm. or you know, any job, six week job or whatever. But yeah, everybody's very like, and it's got to work that way because whose job was this? Yeah, that that's got to be somebody's specific job, or it doesn't get done. And it's like now working on independent movies and stuff. I kind of like that vibe too because yeah, like, art department yeah. needs a hand. Let's go because you have to now. Everyone's kind of wearing multiple hats. Yeah, so yeah. that we can keep this ball rolling. Right, and and nobody's kind of standing yeah. on ceremony about yeah. it. But I understand when you get into those big union jobs, there's just too much equipment and stuff for a a, a, a wardrobe person. Well, let me pick this light up and yeah. move it over here, <laughs> and then they're like, "Where's Ooh, that five K? Yeah, yeah. What, what just happened here? You know." Yeah, it just can't happen. So, well, you know, you you everyone has seen the breakdowns because when it doesn't work, the most glaring times you see it on film or TV is continuity issues. Yes, that's when you'll see the breakdown somewhere or another somehow through the chain of command. Someone didn't do their job, yep. and it caused this 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 continuity. One minute his cup is full, you come back, he's talking, and it's empty. You come back, it's full again. He's not left his seat. People have different philosophies on that. I know, like, I've heard some directors, like Martin Scorsese, say, I don't care. Like, if you're worried about continuity, the scene's not doing its job. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a famous, like, uh, Goodfellow scene where his cigar is different lengths all the time. But at some point, yeah, I mean, if the person walks into the room with a hat on, you might be shooting that room scene a month later. Yeah. That person's got to have the hat on. Yes. And that's somebody's job. Yes. To to watch that and be very... And then other yeah. people would say, I don't know, I don't... But yeah, you're right. I mean, some things... Yeah. yeah you, you, you'll, you'll let something slide, but you got to... They're supposed to take the stills after every scene. Right. So let's get these stills. So if we do need to do some reshoots... Because sometimes, you know, you're just getting to edit. We know sometimes maybe the live 
was being disrupted by the blazer and the sounds not audible. The scenes just didn't come out right. So when they're looking at the dailies, they call you back like, hey, gee, this didn't work out. We need to do a reshoot. Yeah. Um, I've done ADR work where they'll, they'll pull you in ADRs uh, well, after you finish filming and the audio doesn't work. So they bring you into a studio sound booth and you record all your audio again. Now the challenge for an actor like that, if you're a voiceover actor, no problem. You do this all the time. You're used to being in the booth. If you're not a voiceover actor, yeah, getting into this booth and creating, recreating that emotional piece that you was at, oh, it's, yeah. it's very challenging. Yeah, yeah. You're on set. You got the vantage of the other actors, the location. Everything's helping to create that energy and vibe. Now I'm in this room by myself with these four black walls just <laughs> staring at the screen trying to remember exactly how I felt and, and mirror that in my vocal tone. And how long after was this? Uh, this was about a month. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I was already in another movie. Mentally, I, yeah, I was in another movie at the time. Yeah, yeah. So when they called me back, I was yeah. like, uh, really? <laughs> so, and yeah. it, the, the, the fault I love is, oh no, we're going to pay you. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's not the money that I'm talking about. Right, right. Like how we talked about earlier. We don't want to look bad. No, yeah. Like as an actor, this is our brand. This is this is what we're promoting. So we don't want this to be shown in any way that seems counterproductive to how we envision ourselves, envision us as actors. Yeah. No, I, I was. Uh, I, I went through a period. I watched a lot of directors' commentaries, and Russell Crowe did a movie. I think it was the second or third movie in Australia. Mm-hmm. Where he played this like uh, skinhead guy, and he had to wear these big red boots that they used to wear, the Doc Martin mm-hmm. boots. Yep, I know those. All that get all tattooed up. And he, he was looking at himself. This is what the director said. He said, I look like a clown. Like, he didn't want to wear that stuff. And they're like, no, but this is what they wore. Like, And it, the director said we had some kind of contentious moments about it because <laughs> it was like, yeah, and then, you know, he did. fine, But it's like, and then you had, I, I uh, they had one of those things about Philip Seymour Hoffman on. Mm-hmm. You know, he died, I don't know how long ago now. Five years yeah. ago now. It's been a while. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about him, him acting. When he was in high school or maybe in college, he appeared completely naked on stage mm. for one of the roles. And he's not exactly Brad Pitt. Yeah. You know, he never really was. But he was willing to do that. Yeah. Like when you were saying before about not wanting to look bad or you don't want to wreck this person that you had before, even at the age of like 18, 19, he seemed to understand like, gotta let that go. And the best do. The best do, but yeah. all of us, like, so I, I was directing this short film, right? So um, I brought some of the actors over um, just to do one of the rehearsals and um, just to do some diving into the characters. And I felt like one of the, both of them, but one was a newbie, one was an experienced actor. So, but I felt both of them were holding back in the character and they were doing, making safe choices. Neither one of them, I felt, was like was pushing themselves. That was testing the boundaries of the character. The decisions weren't bad, but they weren't great. Yeah, they weren't moving. I wasn't moved. I was watching it. It was a little boring because there was nothing. They, they again, they weren't pushing themselves. So I was like, all right. So like, tell me, what's, what was your spirit animal? And so each of them tell me that their spirit animal. I was like, all right, okay. Well, get up and be the spirit animal. Let me see it right now. It was like right. One was like it was. He was a polar bear. And I was like, yeah, well, be a polar bear. Let me see it. He's like, right now? I'm like, yeah. Now, keep in mind, we're in a, a, a closed space like this. No one can see us. First thing he does is look around. 
<laughs> so no one's watching. Yes, like you're, we're in a room. What are you looking for? Right, there's, right, a, there's no cameras. But right. again, that's that psychological piece. Yep. He looked around, took a breath, and when he did it, I was like, "Come on, man, be a bear. Go get on all four. Be a bear." And he went, but he still was holding back. Yeah, he was the newbie. So then the next one, I in my mind, like, "Oh, the experience one. She's gonna show out. She's 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 an actress. She's she's gonna give it all." I was like, what are yours? She was like, oh, mine is an owl. I was like, oh, why is owl? Cool, cool. I was like, well, show me the owl. Same thing. She she flapped her arms, but she didn't really flap. Yeah. She didn't really open her whole chest as wide as she could. She didn't make it majestic. She kept her elbows in tight and kind of moved her hands and the wrists and flapped around the room. And it was in that moment that I knew something that came to fruition later. I knew I was going to have to remove one of these people from the movie. In that moment, as a director, I saw it because they couldn't let go of themselves. But I was like, you know what? I believe in them. I believe myself, Billy, to coach them up. Let's go. Had multiple rehearsals, but I kept saying it in the roles. They couldn't let go. They couldn't let go. Then when we finally shot the scene, I saw it. I'm in the edit. I'm watching it. I turned to the writer. I'm like, what you think? He's like, ah, well, you know, so, and, and you could tell when someone's like, because they start mumbling. And, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, well, you know it's all right. Well, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you don't like it. He's like, no, nah, it sucks. I was like, exactly. Yeah. I had to call him. He was a friend. I had to cut him. Yeah. You know, and he, he was understanding. And I was borderline replacing her. But she gave me some feedback why and the choice she made. And she said because of what she wasn't getting. So I was like, all right, cool. So then I brought another experienced actor in. We're actually about to reshoot that scene in two weeks. And if it doesn't work, then I'm going to have to replace her. Mm-hmm. But these are the hard choices, you know, as a director. Like, because I know these people, I've worked with them, you know, yeah. as I said, but yeah. I'm loyal to the project. Right. Like, and, and, I, and I think that's even as, even as a director, even as an actor, I've heard myself sometimes, and I, and I, I've stopped doing it now. I've been like, oh, well. Got the screen. I was like, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Pause. Doesn't make sense to me. That person doesn't exist. It makes total sense to that character. Right. Because the character is that worse. That's it. Yeah. So when I'm saying it doesn't make sense, it's because it doesn't make sense to the me. Yeah. Magician. But to that character, it makes total sense. So my job as an actor is to make it make sense to him. Yeah. And to make it real. Not to have, because if I even start thinking it doesn't make sense, I then limit my ability to make it make sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you, you, once I went, I start telling me, ah, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if this really works. I'm like, well, what doesn't work? Tell me what doesn't work. Yeah. And sometimes if you can get them to talk it out, they'll see it themselves. I've had it, actually, I had this thing where I was like, why? And as she started talking it out, she realized it made sense. Yeah. But because she was coming at it, from her perspective, it didn't make sense to her. She wouldn't talk that way. Yeah. She wouldn't put those words together in a sentence. Yeah. But that's not you. It's the character. Right. And it's and that's the challenge as this actor to lose this person you built up and 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 find yourself in that character. If the character's an asshole, we've all been an asshole at some point in our life. If the, any, whether you mean to or not, we all have. It, so remember that point and be that. That may not be you every day, but if that character, if that's who he is, then that's who you need to be. Yeah. While you're that guy, 
But did, and so finding this thing, finding the ability to to draw from your from somewhere deep inside, but let go at the same time, like, like to find this these parallels between you. So because I acted coach told me once in the past, I couldn't do it. Didn't make sense to me. He's like, I guess you gotta you gotta lose yourself in the character. You can never lose yourself. That's impossible. You work too hard to find who you are. So how could you ever lose yourself? What you can do is find parallels between this person and yourself. Draw upon those parallels, and then that will give some support or some foundation for that character, for that role. You know, that's why there's certain roles I won't take. I won't take a pedophile role. I won't. I immerse myself too deeply into any character I go to allow myself to be a pedophile because I would literally have to look at the kids on this on this while I'm on set and lust for them. Yeah. Cause that's the only way it would be real. Right. And I couldn't allow myself that feeling wholeheartedly. Yeah. I know. So I would never take that role. Well it puts me in mind of uh, it was a Todd Solon's movie called Happiness. And uh, a lot of different characters, but one of the main characters is a pedophile. And it was, pro- I mean, he was really praised as one of the bravest performances because it was, I mean, they don't show anything, mm-hmm. but you know what this guy's after. And he pulls it off and almost makes it sympathetic. Like he says to his wife at one point, I'm sick. I am sick. And she's like, well, just take a Tylenol. Like she's not mm. understanding what he's saying to her. But yeah, that would be, to go that far, you know, to go into it like that, um, but yeah, it's funny what you were saying about what making sense. You know, like some things make me angry, and to another person, like what they wouldn't even know why, or someone else gets angry or annoyed mm-hmm. at something I did, and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> you know, like I draw a lot on having taught in the South Bronx. You know, yes. I grew up in Braintree, yes, very middle upper middle class suburb, South Bronx, very much not my element. <laughs> So the first year or two was like, okay, these kids I teach come from a very different background, but I didn't, it didn't really matter to me, but it had to matter because if I, like sarcasm, mm-hmm. sarcasm does not play. And I could be joking around, like I would consider it joking. It was not. Yeah. So certain things like that, like the whole sneaker thing. Like, oh yeah. About sneakers, or why are you telling me they they cost two hundred dollars? Like I would never tell people that. Well, it's just different culture. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like when you're thinking about an actor. Okay, what would piss this actor off? Yes. Or what would make this actor happy? Or what would annoy this? Like I know what, like some guy working in insurance office, maybe even though I've never done, or a teacher or something like that. Like I know what would irritate a teacher. Or make a teacher feel insecure or something. Like, sometimes if a 14-year-old says something nasty to you, you'd be like, I'm a 45-year-old man. Why should I care? Well, sometimes I do. Yeah. Like, if you say I'm a bad teacher, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, it's a kid. But still, this is somebody I'm supposed to be teaching. Somebody who's not a teacher probably wouldn't be like, I don't care what a 14-year-old thinks. So it's, it's hard sometimes. So it's not even culture. It's just like, what do you do in your profession or... Or who you are, whatever it is. So it's it's hard sometimes to be like, yeah, I'm writing for a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I need to talk to her a little bit about, like, 
what would anger you about this or would this? And sometimes I might be like, no, I wouldn't care about that. Or, yeah, that would piss me off. Something like that. Like, I remember on Seinfeld, she got so... They were trying to write Jerry's pilot and they couldn't write for a woman. And then the Elaine character comes in and this other woman who was dating Kramer commented on her shoes and she got so enraged. She got so angry. Why is she talking about my shoes? Why? And Jerry goes, this is why we can't write for a woman. They're like, yeah, that got you upset? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, but that's the fun part, too. Yes. That's what I like about it. Well, you know, and, it, and it's, it's weird, I think, also, too, like, we all have these weird quirks, and sometimes we don't even know what our triggers are. Not at all, no. So sometimes you don't know until it's triggered. Right. You, you know, I, 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 I was um, sitting at a, a, a table read, for, for this thing I'm directing. Um, and so I'm there and I got a GH5, you know, um, 4K camera that's, you know, it's, it's good, good camera, Panasonic. I'm, and um, and we're recording the table read and I'm watching it playback. And so um, fast forward about a month later, we're doing some location scouts. And so the guy who's um, working as the cameraman, he has a Sony AS, AS7. So, you know, another good um, DSLR, 4K. He comes in and he takes some stills and so the writer's there with me, and he's like, hey. He looks at the guy's stills, and now keeping my stills and video, they're going to look different, but his is a better low-light camera. Now, um, the, the GH5 is better high frame rate for the price point. The Sony's better at low-light, um, but it's not as good. Um, his focus system isn't as good. So uh, we're both there, have both cameras up, and he's looking, and the writer's like, oh, man, why is this camera so much better than yours? <laughs> like, yeah, you, know, you see, you giggle, right? I you know. Because... You giggle. But once you said it, like, I felt this in yeah, my stomach, yeah. like, yeah. yo, is this too serious? Yeah. I'm making this movie for free for you. Don't be disrespecting my equipment. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But then I was like, let, let that go. Because yeah. I didn't even know it, that would, would trigger yeah. until he said it. I right in my belly. It was like I was hungry. I felt this rumbling. Yeah. Like, oh, you took some shots. Yeah, and he probably didn't even realize. And, he, and he's the sweetest guy. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. I looked in his face. That's what calmed me down. Yeah, he really looked like a little kid. He was because he doesn't know cameras. Yeah. He literally was just asking a spec question. Yeah, why is it something he's doing? But when it when it came out, oh, yeah. it was like a punch to, to, yeah. to the face. Yeah. So I, I think it's um, it, and also using those triggers, like I, I you know as an actor, everything's in play. Everything, like I even telling the rehearsal, everything's in play. Everything. You, you're, you're, when you walk up and you see him, everything's in play. The car he has is in play. Your clothes are in play. His hair, his hands, the space between how close or how far you are gives us information, gives the viewer data. If you touch his shoulder, it gives us data. You know, if you play with your hair, it gives us data. Everything's in play. And I think as actors, it's incumbent on us not to wait for the director to in, tell us how to act. Because mm-hmm. most directors don't want to tell actors how to act. Yeah. They want to give you pointed little direction in the scene. If you give them something, ah, I like that, or I don't like it, try it somewhere else. Try, give me something different. Yeah. You give them something different? Oh, you know, I like that. Cool, but you know what? When you do that, you will lose in some of your face. So just open up while you do it. That's what directors want to do. Directors don't want to be on set telling someone, "Okay, I don't believe you. I, I, I don't. I don't think you're emotionally in this character." Like, we're like we're, they don't want to have to 
Well, why, what are you saying? When you, when you say that to him, what, what are you saying to him? Why are you saying that? What do you mean by saying this? These are questions that the actor should be asking himself. If you really want to be good at, at acting, you should be asking yourself, what's my backstory? What? And it's cliche. It's what's my motivation? No, no. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I'm throwing up the, the, the air quotations while I yeah, say yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's my motivation? Yeah. But yeah, like literally, truly, what's my motivation? Why am I going there? Why am I standing up? Why am I sitting down? All this comes into part of the storytelling and for the viewer's experience. Because when you really have those, those things locked down, as, we, as you brought up before, directors say, oh, well, if I've, heard, I've heard directors say it too. Well, if that little thing is what breaks the movie, then we're not doing our job. You know, Our job is to entertain so well that they don't care about anything else. So when you come in for auditions, directors will say, some people, they'll be auditioning and they'll miss a line. And they'll stop and they'll apologize. Worst thing you can do, people, acting class tip 101, never apologize. Mm-hmm. Never stop. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Like, it doesn't help you. It hurts. It breaks the yeah. illusion. Yeah. If you get the context, then the words are just a vehicle for us to get there. They probably won't even notice. They won't even notice. Yeah. If, if you're in it. Yeah. If you're in the scene, then, then that's irrelevant. The script supervisor might pull you aside on a break and be like, hey, um, just so you know, the line is such and such. Oh, okay, okay. But the director, he's, he's watching for believability. Right. Do I believe you? Right. Do I feel you? Are you moving me? Does it make sense? He's not caring if you're word perfect. No, just, just get the context, get the moment. Then from there, you could build up to get the word perfect, get all the little details. It's, sometimes you don't even need it. No, it's funny how you mentioned the script supervisor and the director. Like, it's so compartmentalized. People have to focus on set. Like, you would think the director would know if you missed a line. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever need a script supervisor? Because you're right. The director's looking at the whole body, the face, looking at maybe five different actors in a scene. And it's just trying to, like, get it all together. Whereas the script supervisor has to sit there with earphones mm-hmm. on going... No, uh, take two, she said red. Take four, three and four, she said blue. So what do you want to go with? Or And that's, blue might have to be said because it's something that's yes, a, later a on. month down the yeah. road. So, yeah, it's so, there's so much to, I mean, a, a friend of mine, Holly, was a script supervisor, well, she still does it, on third watch. And okay. She'd be sitting right next to the director mm-hmm. watching four monitors at once. And she just had to sit there with headphones on and a lot of women are script su- no, I, sh- I should say a lot of script supervisors are women. Yes, are also assistant camera folks. Yes, which I found interesting. My friend Liza is an, assi- an AC. She's worked on Coen Brothers movies and all that. And I asked her about it, and she said, "I don't know. It's just kind of the way maybe my brain works, or some <laughs> women's brain. I don't know." But um, and and then and, and when you have a moment, because there always in any movie I've worked on, there's always been a moment where the actor has this discovery mm-hmm. and they'll say something that's not in the script but it's so powerful and it's so it works you'll see the director will turn to the script supervisor let's change that line let's keep that I like that better mm-hmm. than what we have you know there are certain like movies have more 
freedom than TV. TV's really locked into the yes, script right. because the script has to be approved right. and then come back. So they really kind of. And know, it's yeah. probably got to lead into another episode. Yes. Or yes. Back to, yeah. So, but but films they give you a little bit more opportunity. So if you have some discovery, yeah. But again, the director won't remember it. Like as soon as he heard it, he's telling her to write it down. Yeah. Because right after it's done. It's gone because yeah. he's now already in his mind to the next scene and how we're going to do this big reverse, you know, which for, for film talk is the same scene. We're just shooting it from the other side yeah. so they can have coverage. Yeah. Well, what you said about context, I, I can't. That word has been popping up in my head so much, particularly writing this new project, like con- like lack of context for an actor or a director or a script for that matter or a line. It just kills it for me. And even in real mm-hmm. life, I draw these odd parallels. Uh, Colin Kaepernick. Yes. Who I, I sympathize with quite a bit. I, I agree with his politics. I agree with all of that. However, he he quoted a, Fed, a Frederick Douglass speech, but he pulled a couple of lines out to make a point. Mm-hmm. And then Ted Cruz, of all people, jumped in to correct him. If you read it in context, that's not what that quote means. That's not what the whole speech means. And I'm like, it's just stressed over to me again and again, or stressed to me over uh, again. Oh, am I saying this right? I'm trying to get my line out yeah, here. Yeah. Where's <laughs> the script supervisor? Where's the script exactly. supervisor? <laughs> like when you pull something out of context, you've ruined it. Yes. You've just like you need everything. Acting, I would say, with life in general, it's got to have context. Yes. Got, you know, so when an actress, as you said. Why am I so angry? You better have an answer. Yeah. Why am I... Now, sometimes it can get to the point of like, why am I taking a sip of this water? While well, you're thirsty, we got... Okay, we don't need to get into all that, or you should figure that yeah, out. Yeah. But it is incumbent upon the writer-director to say, okay, like, I like to write backstories yes. for characters. I find it very enjoyable. Like, not, And I got that from the movie Collateral. I yes. watched the making of. He wrote where Tom Cruise's character was born. Mm-hmm. His alcoholic, abusive father. All of a sudden, had nothing. I think he took, or he didn't take Tom Cruise, but he went to these locations in Gary, Indiana, took pictures of all of it. None of that is, but it's there. Yeah, and and that's the thing for the actor. What that allows us to do, and that's one of the things I I try to explain to a lot of young actors that don't understand how much work it takes to be a really good, 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 good actor. Like the prep work. If you get on stage or, or, or on film, on set, and when you're done performing, if you are not physically tired, you did not do enough. Yep. You should be like you worked out because it should be a workout. Like you should, you're working out as an actor. That's why you need to work out. You need to have some level of physicality because you're pushing yourself in a way that in, your, in a daily life you're not being pushed. The emotional burden that you're putting on yourself in this moment to physically um, become someone else. There's a lot that's in, in, that goes into that. And so I tell people, when I get a character, even if it's an audition, I get a piece of paper and I make, put a line right down the middle. And I start listing things about this person that I like. And then I start on other plot things about him that I don't like. Because we all have things about ourselves we don't like. People don't want to admit it. Everyone got something that you don't like. I don't like the fact that my pinky finger's broke and, and I can twist it all over and do weird stuff. 
I don't like the fact that I got great hairs now growing on my arm. There's little things that, that we, about ourselves, we don't like, but because of those things, it affects certain things that we do, whether we realize it or not. I have a tendency to wear long sleeve shirts. But I really, but it's because of these hairs. I know. Like, so all these things have a place in the story. If I grew up as an only child, typically only children uh, have a certain way of behaving. That's not always the case, but they do have a certain way. Yeah. Um, if I grew up in a household, only women. My interaction with women may be one way. If I grew up in a household, only men. Rough football playing men. I might be a certain way. If I grew up with a dad who was military, I might be a certain way. Now, that's not in my script, but that will influence my performance of that script. Yeah. It gives me somewhere to give realness to some words that aren't real. It allows me to find some layers that now when I come into the audition, I'm giving the director something to work with. Mm-hmm. He may ask, well, why are you doing that? And I'll tell him, and he'll be, okay, okay, I see that decision. Let's try it this way. But now, because I've made some decisions, and I say this to a lot of people, a really, really strong, bad decision is sometimes better than a weak, good decision. Yeah. You, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, my version of that has always been it can be my mistake yeah. and I can live with that. But I can't have it be I got talked into something I didn't want to do. Yes. I can't, even if it was the right, well, maybe I could live with it if it was the right thing to do. But if I look and I say, okay, that was an awful decision. I should, if it's my decision, okay. Yes. But because I can learn from that. Yep. But if I'm like, you know, and I, I, I like to listen to other people, I don't tend to be confrontational, but like, after a while, I'm like, okay, this decision has been made, and even if you don't like it, no, I'm sorry about that, but, you know, when you direct your movie, you, you do it, yeah. you you do do it your way. You yeah, and that's why I go back to, I just wrote down, pre-production. Yes. To, again, to give a little film school 101, Yes. your pre-production, I was going to shoot a film this August, and I realized, oh, no, 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 this is going to be, and it really was kind of uh, some other things that happened, a meeting I had that made me pull the reins back and be like, wait a minute, I'm really rushing into this. And why? So pre-production, I I don't think you can rehearse enough, Mm -hmm. get people in the locations enough, get them swimming in that. And then when you're on set, as you were saying, you should not be having those discussions about, you know, what, why you're doing this or what, like, I, I always like to tell actors, and I haven't done too many shorts, but like, you can discuss anything you want with me. Anything. Right up until that first day. Yes. Once we're shooting, we're not discussing anything anymore. Yeah. Make some decisions. Make some choices. Stick with them. Stick with them. That's it. Yeah, make because, it work. Yeah. You, I don't you, have a lot of money, which means I don't have a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Because time is money on set. Time is literally, literally money. money. By the minute. not rolling. By the minute. We're losing. I remember this yes. director said, so when that camera is not rolling, or a producer, yeah. we are losing money. Yes. And the AD is like, stand there. Yeah. Okay, we ready? What, what, what are we doing? What, what are we, we doing? doing? What are we doing? Yeah, what, Rips, you guys said 20 yes. minutes. It's been 25 minutes. And we're like, yeah. you know, trying to get stuff up. Where's the beard? Where's the beard? Where's his beard? Okay, guys. And the best ADs I've seen, they're like sharks. Mm-hmm. They always got that mic in their hand. They're always walking around, never yelling. Mm-mm. It's like, okay, guys, okay, guys, this, 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 gotta go. Pace. Yep, gotta go. Because that those hours, I remember we were shooting here, 
we were shooting in the kitchen area. Mm -hmm. Like three hours went by, and yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> why are we not like, shooting?" Like, yeah. I mean, we were shooting, we done, but it was just like I just planned way too much yeah. to do, and it was nobody's fault except mine and my inexperience to say like, "Okay, next time, less and." deeper yeah not trying to do all this and, and and i think that's the thing that i've discovered now also too from from directing this this uh this web series is that i think it, that comes from a good place not a bad place but we sometimes we get too too ahead of ourselves oh, way too it, ahead and of like i shot this scene so i had this one location shooting a hotel and we were doing one mother and son me and the mother, mother, husband, and me. So we did three, four scenes. Four scenes. We did four scenes in the hotel room. And we tried to do them all in one day. Of course, we couldn't get all of them done. We got to about two scenes, two and a half. We had to come back the next day because we only had the hotel the next day to 11. So people, I wrapped at 12 since I knew we weren't going to finish. And had gave people a 6 a.m. call time and extended the checkout to 1.30. And, but I still didn't get all four of the scenes, the remaining two. I got one good the next day, and the last one was kind of half of the scene. And in my mind, in hindsight, what I would have done now is I only would have shot two scenes. Yeah, I know. Instead of four, yeah. one day, yeah. the one scene, yep. then the next day, the other scene. Exactly. And I would have shot that scene every which way to Sunday. Yeah. Up and down, every coverage imaginable, feet, hands, eyes, every little thing, yeah. B footage in the room, I would exhaust it. So my advice to, to, to indie filmmakers, like when you want to make a project, slow it down. What's the rush? What's the rush? I know you think, oh, well, I'm not going to have these actors for that long. There's a difference for having a realistic schedule and wasting time. Yes. You know what I mean? And so I think that's what's really important to make sure you have realistic, how can I get this? I can do four scenes and get C scenes, or I could do two scenes and get B plus A scenes. Yeah, no, I know. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I, that's what I mean by like, <laughs> less is more. Yes. Forget your 20 minutes short. I don't say forget it, but like maybe think about 10 minutes because there's no worse feeling. I assume you felt the same way mm -hmm. I did in the kitchen, where it's like, oh my God, I'm not going to get this. Like, it is approaching midnight. Yeah. And we haven't shot this, we haven't shot this, we haven't shot this. And just stretch too thin. Because, as you say, if I'm going to add another day, and you're talking thousands of dollars, yeah. just on a little production like this, and you're talking four or $5,000. And you and get like, little favors ooh. that you can't always get the next day. Right, you cannot recreate. Yes, like, like <laughs> yeah. there was this guy that, um, he was friends with the writer, for the writer and the piece that I'm doing, so he loves, the, his friend has luxury cars. He's, he's a car enthusiast. So he brought $150,000 Mercedes-Benz. We didn't have insurance. Like, uh, it's on set, so and it's a night we're in this not safe neighborhood, and I'm looking like, okay, it's like two in the morning, there's a barbecue down the street, I can smell certain smells coming from there, and I'm not talking about the barbecue yeah, smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm like, yes, and I'm like, 
Okay, get a little get, edgy. Yes, get a little, edgy. Get a little yeah. edgy. So yeah. then I'm like, ah, now cars are starting to come on. I set to park to go to the barbecue. So uh, you have $150,000 yes. Mercedes on yes. site. Yes, and a $50,000 BMW. No insurance. No insurance. Okay, so. Guerrilla shooting, right? Of at its course, finest. Of course. And, uh, and, it, and it was an in, uh, innocent um, issue, but someone was going to that party. They were trying to park. Um, the guy was trying to save the space because we needed it for um, for the set to shoot, and so one of the PAs went and tapped the guy on the window. And was like, "Hey, can you uh, can you can you move? We just need it." And he was really nice. He said, "Oh, you filming? It's cool." But then somehow or another, when he was moving out, them trying to move the car in, bang, hit it, and I'm like, "Oh oh!" And at, and when it happened, I was at 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 base camp, so I wasn't even on set. So I was at base camp working with one actor. And you're trying to direct. I'm trying to direct. You're not trying to think about no. cars. Right. So next yeah. thing I know, in uh, my earpiece, I hear, uh, Magish, can you please switch over to the line too? Oh, so I'm like, yeah, what's going on? It's like, yo, we just crashed the the, 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 the BMW. I'm like, you, wait, wait, what? what? Wait, you're standing there and we're not even filming. How could you crash <laughs> something? There should be no motion. So I run over the set and uh, sure enough, I see the thing. God's freaking out and he's trying to leave. We were halfway through the scene, so we needed the car. I couldn't let him leave. So I'm, I have a friend that does some auto body. If some trying to reach him, it's crazy what we're trying to do. So finally, he agrees to stay, and we we, we try to keep shooting the scene. But now, <laughs> one of the one of our two big lights um, just goes, just goes. We have external electricity from a house that paid to use the electricity, but it just goes. So um, my, my, my locations guy, he's like, well, I got some lights. We're like, well, how, how far? He's like, they're at my house. We're like, how far is your house from here? He's like, ah. Never believe anyone when they say five, ten minutes. No. It's never five, ten minutes. No. So he's like, I'll be right back. It took me five minutes to get there, grab the stuff. I'll be back 15, 20 tops. Hour later, like, we're sitting. Now it's three in the morning. The actors are exhausted. They're tired. They're, yeah. they're, they're beating down. The mosquitoes are feasting on us because we were right next to some woods. Uh, so they're just, I mean, they're eating us alive. We're off and we got the rings. Nothing is helping. So they're, they're trying to work. This poor, my, one, of my, the, one of the lead, she had this little mini skirt. They're just lighting her legs up. Then she's a model. So you can understand her concern yeah. For getting her legs mocked up. Yeah. So all this is coming into play. Finally, the light guy comes back. We shoot it. We get into post. Get get back. I look at it. And this is why, as a director, why you need all these departments. New lights. Our lights were white balanced to the other lights. The new lights didn't have the wasn't on the same Kelvin. White balance was off. All the footage was blue. That's the scene I end up having to trash. Yeah, you just, gotta, <laughs> you just gotta do it. I don't. Yeah, I know. You gotta be like ruthless. Yeah, that's the other thing you gotta be. Yeah, I think any any creative thing. You, not only do you have to be ruthless with your actors and everybody else, you have to be ruthless with yourself. Yeah, like you look at a scene in a movie and you're like, I love this scene. It is not working for this movie. The scene itself might be wonderful. Yeah. See, Kelvin, I don't even really know what that is. I sort of know what white balance is. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you get it back and you can't use it. Can't again. use it. Had to, we had to toss it off. 
had to reshoot it. Um, me and the writer, we're still indebted to the guy from the BMW for the accident. Yeah. Um, so we're still trying to work out some. <laughs> yeah, and, and couldn't even use the scene. Like so. But the thing is, I saw something um, that his director said on this commercial. I forgot the guy's name, but he's a famous director. But he, he had said, any project that you're in, come to grips with it's going to break your heart at some point. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's just what it is. It had it. I shot it. It broke my heart. It made me question if I wanted to keep doing this project. Why am I here? But it's in those moments that you, that you find out something about yourself. You don't have really discovery in happy times. You don't. Because you're just yeah. being happy. Yeah. It's through adversity yeah. that we define who we are. Like yeah. when, when, when the proverbial poop hits the fan, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? How who are you going to handle it? Who wants it? Who want it? How badly How do I badly want it? How badly do I want it? Am I going to go back <laughs> yes. and do this again? Yes. Am I going to have to or am I not? apologize to all these people? Am I going to have to take it on the chin as a director, I messed that up, guys. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the blame for this. I was the leader. It didn't work. So, it's my fault. Um, if you guys want to keep rocking with me, I promise next time it'll be better. Mm -hmm. And next time it was better. But I still, that was the next time was with the hotel scene. And because, and this way you got you to gotta be honest with yourself. Because the other scene was messed up, when I went to the next year, I tried to do too much. I tried to compensate, yep. but you can't. No. It's gone. You can't no, get it back. It's yeah. It's not like money in the bank. Yeah. But now it's spent. It's, it's spent. spent. Yeah. Just let it. Yeah, and I, I guess that's the dividing line with any creative. You know, it's like if you want to be the hero, if you want to be standing on stage at that film festival, or whatever, and and we all envision. I do. I envision mm -hmm. it. Uh, but people don't see that flip side of being. The goat. Mm -hmm. I don't mean the goat greatest of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean just, everybody looking at you like right. mm. you have no idea what you're doing, and it's like you're right. Well, I have a little bit. Yeah, I just have a little, little bit. Poquito. But you know what? I'm the person who's willing to rent the equipment, write the script, get the camera, and or 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 write the novel, or get up and do stand up comedy, mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Devote the time to it, and um, yeah, it's funny. It's not you don't learn. I don't think as much from the film festival short as mm -hmm. the one that didn't get into the film festival. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, that didn't get in. What do I have to maybe change? Or what do I have to say? Look, I this is this is my film, and, and I want to be proud of it too. So, I don't know. There's a lot of choice. It's almost like by attrition. Yeah, yeah. Who wants to do it? Like, a lot of people want to be actors. Who's going to hang in there? And mm -hmm. A lot of people want to write. I remember this... This must have been 25 years ago. Somebody said to me, oh, I'd love to write a screenplay. I'm like, just write this. Like, that's the <laughs> yeah, easy just, part. Just, just do I it. I want to write it. I mean, like, you say I want to direct a million-dollar feature. Like, I want to sit down and write it. Write, like, a five-minute yeah, little yeah. thing and, yeah. and, and film it. You know, I want it. Like, that's, that, that's you. Yeah, yeah. And take five years. Take ten years. Yeah. Whatever. You just get it done. Just get it You're done. done. But by I, the time you go to shoot it, man, you better have all your... And I've learned that the hard way. I didn't know anything about Shotless yeah. until I did a, a short film years ago. And my roommate, who was a grip and cinematographer, now he's a camera operator, he was like, 
I need you to write a shot list. And I'm like, no, I know what I want to do. He's like, no, <laughs> I am not bringing my camera on set without either storyboards mm-hmm. or a shot list. And I can't draw. So he said, just, just write up a shot list. Mm-hmm. And man, that just that thing that like, and to me, it's pleasurable now. I like doing yeah. it. I like thinking about it. But it's all that prep that is not glamorous and no one will ever see and no one will ever know about and, and all of that. But And I guess, as you said, like, do I enjoy this? Do yes. I really enjoy this? Do, do, does this give me fulfillment? And, uh, Which and is different from enjoyment or fun. Yes, yes. Very different. Yeah, because it's not always going to be fun. I enjoy going down a water slide. Yes. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's not making a movie yes. or writing a novel or something like that. And I, I've run into people all the time that uh, may see me on TV or see me somewhere, a video or something pop up, and they always, hey, gee, I want to be an actor, bro. Put me down. Put me down. I was like, well, um, you acting? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, you said you want to be an actor. You acted. But no, no, I want you to put me out. Have you, have you done anything? You, I don't have no cameras. I said, you got a cell phone. Yeah. Did you, did you have you even made a little video? You and your friends, something, just goofing around. Anything, anything. Do something. No stuff. Well, if, if, well, well, then you don't want this, right? Like, don't lie and say you do. You want a handout. They want you to do it. Yes, exactly. Them. And after all the things you've been through, uh, not because you're not a generous person, but you know that's not the way it works. No, it's not going to work. No, you 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 got to You got to try. Like you said, you got to fail. Yeah. Because trust me, from the st- I will say, even though I. Did too many scenes. The footage looks drastically better from the second one to the first one. There you go. And it was because I took it on the chin. Yep. I was like, I I messed it up. So I had to now research how I messed up. What was I not doing? I had to go through all my checks and balances. Now, like, okay, I'm a smart guy. Where where did the disconnect happen? What mm-hmm. didn't happen? What? Oh, I did too much here. I brought some people on to delegate to. Brought another camera guy on. Got myself away from the camera and got it up from just management. Mm-hmm. Having my checklist now going through, all right? All right? How sound? Let me hear the sound. All right? He's here. Let me hear the sound here. All right, cool. And then also working with other people, asking for some input. Even if I don't take it, let me hear what you got. Yeah. What you think? Yeah. It may spur something in my mind that I wasn't thinking of. Hey, or I may just table it. But either way, let me in. All right, cool. All right, no, no, we're going to do it this way. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but you know what? I am going to start it this way. Let's, let's, let's start it with the slider. And, and just really be creative. Be creative. Like, don't do something that everyone else has done. Yeah, like, what's the point? What's the point? It's like, <laughs> it's everybody's a, seeing it. And, it's I'm, a scene. and I'm probably not doing it as well because I don't have the equipment to do it that yes. well. So let me be creative with what I have. Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of YouTubers out here. I give a lot of people don't like uh, or have problems with some of the stuff the youth is doing today. I have no problem. With them. No. I love the youth. I, I love them to death. No. I it's just new. it's new. new. They're fresh. They're finding. Yep. My nephew said something, and he's actually doing it, and I'm so happy for him. When he was maybe about 14, he's like 23 now, 24. When he was 14, I was like, "Hey, uh, what do you want to do with yourself?" He's like, "Um, I want to make a lot of money." And never have to leave my couch. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> I was like, well, that's that's a great dream, you know. Oh, I'm a man. I'm an old man at the time. I mean, he said this. I'm older than him, and I'm like, these guys are so silly. They're so young. They have no real 
concept of reality, again, yeah. air quotes, reality. Yeah. Fast forward 10 years, this dude's a, a, a vlogger. He travels all around the world, posts his YouTube videos, got a good channel, and he's, he's enough to feed himself and survive right now. So and well, he's Marty and I mean well, some people like are working got, yeah. in a factory and he got no kids. Surviving. So and he, yeah. he's traveling the globe. Yeah. So I mean, like if you have some dreams, regardless how silly they may seem, pursue a reckless abandonment. If something yeah. someone says something is possible, all impossible means that someone hasn't done it yet. Yeah. Why not you? Yeah. Let's do it. You yeah. know. Yeah. I, but it's amazing how many people are afraid. I don't know, to look foolish. You know, I had a, I had a, a friend who um, took a cinematography class at NYU, and then he's never shot anything. And I know why he hasn't, because he's so afraid of looking foolish, because sometimes you're going to look foolish. Yeah. Sometimes people are going to think, and know this person doesn't know what he or she is doing. Or it's like, right, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here. Trying. I'm the one doing it. You're not. Like, how many people stand on the sidelines and watch somebody trying to do something and criticize? Well, that's fine. But you're always going to be over there. Armchair quarterbacks. Yeah. And every- hey, maybe I don't make it. Maybe I don't. But at least I'm not you. Yeah. You know? Look, everyone who hasn't been in the NFL is the greatest NFL player ever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a fantasy league. Look, look. They're Bill Belichick. Yes, they are pulling the strings like yeah. an orchestra. They can yeah, tell yeah. you the greatest oh, moves absolutely. and mistakes ever made. Same way of film. I've had, you know, you know one of the things I love uh, when people come and be like, hey, do you know what you need to do? <laughs> tell me, <laughs> yeah, that, please. That's my best. I love it. And I always get smart. And it's always different, but it always starts the same way. You know what you need to do? Ah, no, what, what, what should I do? You should go get yourself a role in one of those big Hollywood movies. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you know what? You know, you're right. You're right. Let me just fly out there and uh, get, what, what's the office I got? Like, oh, everybody knows. Well, you know what I found, too? Once you've, you know, when I've written or whatever, said, you know, you're alone doing mm-hmm. all that stuff, planning and all that. Once you lay the money down, and once you've got the camera, once you're on set, now everybody seems to come out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah. Wants to be a part, like your friend, put mm-hmm. me in a movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, where were you when I was writing this thing and right. trying to do... Like, I'm not asking you, but, like, yeah, you know what you should do. Oh, you should make a film about, like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> that, that sounds yes. great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I've great. called people sometimes that say they want to be in a film and ask them, hey, can you come work with some Don't crew? show up. They yeah, never show up. No. And sometimes you know when you hear their response. They're like, okay, what time should I be there? Oh, call's going to be um, 6 a.m. Crickets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hello, hello? Yeah. You still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm here. Yeah. Uh, 6 a.m. tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah. Uh, okay. All, all, all right, yeah. Hang up that phone. I'm never seeing that guy. No. Yeah. There's times that you know. Like, I, I got killed in a movie. I was in Slender Man that's out right now. And I knew when the director was going to kill me. I knew when he made up his mind. So we there, we pull into the um, cemetery scene when the kid goes, when the girl goes missing towards the beginning. And small town cops. And there's about five of us in the, uh, in the police department in small town. I'm the only black guy. Uh, but that wasn't how I knew I was going to die. When we got to the woods and we're looking for her in the woods, <laughs> the director was like, ah, okay. How about the three of you guys go to the left of the camera 
and Magisha, why don't you go to the right? <laughs> I was like, yep, I'm dead. Chops <laughs> coming. Chops coming. Chops coming. <laughs> somewhere. But you know, yeah. Hey, you get killed in a major motion. Yeah, hey, it was fun. It was a horror movie. Most people cannot say that. No, 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 you know. No, but you're right. It, it's funny how people say, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, and all that. And then time comes, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know, we all got a million excuses. You think I want to be up at 5 a.m.? Well, I do. I do, if I'm doing yeah. it. I, I do, actually. <laughs> and I guess that's where, you know, to get back to, like, do you enjoy doing it? Yes. Like, do you find it fulfilling? And, and, yeah, it's boring, and it can be monotonous. And I, I don't know if I came up with the analogy. Someone did that friend of mine or whatever that with a film you've basically created a huge problem yes and now you're trying to solve this problem yes that, that's a good analogy and some people are comfortable with that and and some like some people desperately wanted to be key grip mm. on a set and most other guys don't want to be key grip they just want to lay back and i understand yep it's yep. key grip you're on the spot they want you to do that something could get messed up it's on you some people you know you do earn more money and uh, there's, a, I guess, a certain amount of prestige with that and so forth. But you got a lot of responsibility. And a lot of guys, they just want to go. They want to earn their paycheck, eat good food. And that, that's fine, too. Yes. But you just have to be prepared for, like, okay, if you're not kind of willing to put yourself out there, you're never going to have the... The growth that you think. The oh, growth or, or glory you might want or whatever it is. And, uh, uh, yeah, I guess... That's kind of the dividing line, I suppose. Well, I think it, it, it goes into our aspect, too. I hear a lot of people, and they'll be like, um, I won't go to New York for a day. I will go to Alaska for a day if it's for a road. Spend 20 bucks Look, on the Chinese <laughs> bus. And go off. right down there. Yeah. Yeah, I have no, it's not yeah, even expensive. Yeah. No. Go there. I don't have to pay for a hotel. You don't have to. Go there and shoot. Like, that's the thing where I say, well, it goes back into that time with Tom, how much are you giving? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, if you're only giving so much, then you have to assume you're only going to get so much back. Yeah. Like, you only have so much space in your well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Dungy wrote a book after his son had committed suicide right after he won the Super Bowl. The very next year, so he had won the Super Bowl, then his son um, dies by suicide. So he had this amazing high and then this incredible low so close to each other. And when he was in his book, and, and we, he talks about our soul and our body is like a well. And be careful what you put down in that well. Because you may think it's going to stay at the bottom of that well, but if when dark days come and it rains, that water's going to bring whatever's at the bottom of that well up to the surface. Mm-hmm. So be careful what you put in that well. And if you fill it up too much, then you have no space for new things that come into your life. Because you have too much stuff from your past. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so as an actor, I, I'm constantly cleaning out my well so that I can be able to receive the new stuff coming, to receive the new opportunities. Because if, if for any moment, if you start to feel like you're having some success, you're going to plateau. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you can never be complacent in this business. You, every day I wake up, how can I get better? Every day I'm reading a book. Every day uh, I'm, I'm watching some video from someone. Sometimes the videos are good. Sometimes, the, I'll say it, just quacks. There's a lot of quacks in this business. Yep. There's a lot of quacks. People starting out, if you want to get your kids or get yourself into it, 
people start asking you for money right away, they're quack, run. Yeah, run. Run. Like, run, like <laughs> run like the wind. Yeah. There's too much free stuff. People should only make money when you make money. Yeah. You know, so if you got to pay them for representation or anything, run. It's a scam. It's so hard because I was talking with Aaron Wilson, who is the lead in the, in the short HR, and he's out in L.A. now, mm-hmm. you know, and he said, like, I don't know, he's in, you know, he's contacting everybody. Aaron's a great guy. He's, yes. he's really an open guy and all that, but he's no dummy even. Mm-hmm. And he said these people, like, wanted, they, they want your credit card number because they're going to buy the wardrobe and then they'll pay <laughs> you. Sorry. It's like, again, let me piggyback on what McGee just Ooh. said. If anyone asks you for your credit card number, no. If they no, ask you no, for payments no. of headshots up front, no. Like, it's all no. Okay, you want quality headshots? You probably have to pay a couple of thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. That's fine as long as you get your headshots and then you pay the person who yes. gets them. That's all fine. But yeah, it's it's rough, man, because it's so desperate. People just so. But I also have to think too. Like, I mean, I like to take advantage of people, and I don't like to see people get taken advantage of. Yes. But you also have to be careful of what you want. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're looking to be a movie star. And make twenty million dollars a film. Well, you're kind of setting yourself up to get taken advantage of. If you love acting, and you say I want to be an actor, and I want to act in quality projects, then I think you're putting yourself in a much better headspace to say, I'm going to take a realistic view of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you go out there with the idea that I'm going to be the next whoever the young actors are, I don't know. Uh, yeah, then there are people who are going to take advantage of you any which way. Yeah. And, you know? and you, it's it's. It's really, really, really important to not, regardless of what field or career you're in, to not confuse your story with someone else's story. Right. Just because someone else's journey may have happened quickly that and yours is taking a long time doesn't mean that yours is wrong. No. no That's just no. your journey. Everyone's path is different. Find happiness in your journey. Find happiness in this path that you're on to be the best you. Because that's all you can be. Like a, a lot of times you hear these comparisons, and I hate in any sport they try to compare new players to old players. Can't do that's two impossible. Different two different times, yeah. two different eras, two different rule sets. Yeah, no. It's impossible. And for whatever reason, we identify with wealth, with quality, and that's not always the the, the, the true. Like we, we sit back in our lives and we see certain people that have been able to have some type of monetary success. And we think, ah, oh, man, at this little age, I thought I would have this house or this car and this family. We set these weird little goals. And because we see other people, we start to feel some way. But we don't feel the same way when we watch a homeless person and be like, hey, I'm better than him. Yeah. I did better than him. Ha <laughs> ha, look at him. Yeah. So why are we feeling so down when we see someone else? Everybody's journey's different. Don't compare yourself to other people. No. Just focus on your path. Put your head down. Plug through it. And the beautiful thing is, self-growth is like being in the gym. When you first hit the gym, you get good gains right away. And you look in the mirror, you start to see your body change. You're like, ooh. But then this weird thing happens. You start to plateau. And all of a sudden, you're not seeing the same gains. And it's really small increments. Or sometimes you don't notice it at all. And those are those times when people stop going. Because yeah. they stop getting this, this visual reward for the effort they're putting out. They don't think the effort and the results match up. Well, that's how life is. When you first do something, 
you get this big jump because you landed. But then you start to plateau. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get to the way you, is to keep going mm -hmm. and keep pushing, pushing until eventually you reach a point where you're like, oh, I'm good at this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. You hear other people talk. You know the answers. You know what I mean? Like high, high-end people are talking, but you still know the answers. Like these people have gone to school, got masters, and you still know the answers. But it was because you kept baby steps, baby steps. My friend from high school, I mean from high school, from college, Greg Hill, great guy, played semi-pro football, and he went to California. He taught football. He played arena football, and then he taught to one of the top high schools out there, he won two um, state championships. He just moved back to New York, to Brooklyn, where he's from. And me, because he's a football guy, all of our analogies, we talk of football. But this one that he gave me in, in college, and I hold it to this day, and I, I understand it now as a man more so than I understood it as, as a young man. I thought I knew what it was, but now I really knew what it was. And what it is is this. He says in life, everybody wants the Hail Mary pass. They want the big fancy, this beautiful, because the ball spirals through the air. This guy looks like a Greek god. He's running. He elongates his frame, this beautiful catch, and he goes down. The crowd goes wild. It's this big play. That's what everybody wants. But what really wins the game is first down. Mm -hmm. If you just keep getting first downs, eventually you will end up in the end zone. It's impossible. So in life... Stop trying to go for all the Hail Mary plays. Just keep getting first downs. Yeah. Eventually, some are open, and you, you'll take your shots when they're available. Yeah. But just focus on those first downs. Now, in life, what are those first downs? Waking up every day, drinking water. You know what I mean? Uh, take making a walk. Making your bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Yeah. Making your bed. Yeah. Finding some pattern routine you can consistently do that enables you to consistently fight through whatever it is you're fighting through. Because we all got something. Mm -hmm. We're all dealing with something. Life's never easy. But it's this consistency in our first downs that give us the strength and the mental fortitude to power through. Yeah. To power through. And just keep doing this. Just little, little, little rewards. Little success. All right? And then next thing you know, you will get your touchdowns. Yeah. And you will you will go lose some games. Sure. That it, it's, it's just proud of it. But eventually, you will get to a point where you'll, you'll get the first downs easier. Mm -hmm. you'll, then you'll start getting more touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And then you'll start winning some games. Yeah. And then you start moving up the excellent line. Next thing you know, you make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Next year, you may not make the playoffs. But then a year after that, you make the players your highest seed. Then you go to the conference. Then you can win a Super Bowl. But the thing is, as soon as you win a Super Bowl, next year, what you got to do? Start it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just because you get what you're going for, that don't mean the journey's over. Yeah. 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 That's just a flash. Yeah. It's a momentary success. Keep getting first down. And you got to love that journey. Yeah. You got to love the journey. If you don't love the journey, I don't know. You're just not going to do it. Or you just won't do it to any, you know. If your goal is to, again, make $20 million a picture and all that, then you don't really want to be an actor. You want to be a rich person. Yes. <laughs> so and there's other like, ways to get rich. Yeah. Or you want to be famous <laughs> or whatever it is. It's like, okay, you don't really want to act or you don't really want to be a singer or you don't really want to be a painter. You want to be famous. You want to yes. be rich and famous. And this is what you see as a vehicle 
but then you'll realize that's like trying to cash in. like it's like planning your financial future on the mass lottery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. it could happen. Yeah. It could. Yeah. But most financial planners would tell you that's not the greatest. Yeah, plan. this probably isn't the greatest fit. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, hey, this has been great. Ah, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate I could, it. Uh, I could just keep going and going here. We're already on our second like podcast. We're almost an hour and a half into this. It's been okay. wonderful. All right, I'm going to shut this off here. Thank you so much, Magisha. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Great All time. All right, we'll be back at you with another podcast soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.